Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Linda, your host, and with me is Daniel J. Sims, who will provide us with some insightful information today. Daniel, we have a very important topic to discuss today, one that affects countless incarcerated Americans and has broader implications. Can you tell our listeners more about this practice of diesel therapy and diesel treatment in the U.S. prison system? Certainly, Linda. I just want to start off and say hello, everybody, and tell you a little bit. Uh, I like to every episode try to share a little bit about myself so that you can get to know me as a person. When I was a kid, I got one of the most satisfying hobby I had was collecting baseball cards and comic books. So uh, that was something I enjoyed during the 90s. That was the thing to do, at least in the early 90s. All right, Linda. You're absolutely right. That's a very important topic. Diesel therapy and diesel treatment are two deeply troubling practices that have been plaguing both the federal and state prison system in the United States. Diesel therapy is essentially the Federal Bureau of Prisons version of repeatedly transferring prisoners from one facility to another facility, often across different states and long distances. While diesel treatment is the State Department of Corrections version, but the transfers typically occur with in the same state, but both practices inflict severe psychological trauma on incarcerated individuals. That sounds incredibly harsh. Why are these transfers happening, and how do they affect the prisoners? Well, you're you're right. It is extremely harsh, Linda. This is the fact is that there's these pretextual transfers are a way to retaliate against troubled Americans. They're often carried out for retaliatory, petty, or pretext reasons. Prison um, administrators have institutionalized these practices without conducting any proper psychological harm research or assessing the environmental impact. When prisoners are transferred, they are stripped naked, shackled, and separated from their belongings, causing distress. It is expensive for the prisoners, too, as they have to cover the cost of mailing their own property. That's indeed a significant financial burden on prisoners. Can you tell us more about the impact of these transfers on their daily lives? The frequent transfers makes it challenging for prisoners to stay hygienic, connected with loved ones, and avoid uh, reestablishing themselves inside the prison. They often don't even have access to a daily cup of coffee, leading to headaches. Essentially, they sell limited amounts of coffee in prison, and people get addicted to it. But then when you get transferred, they say you can't have any coffee with you. So you're going days without coffee, which is leading to chronic headaches throughout that whole period of time. The prisoners have to reintroduce themselves to a whole new prison community, establishing themselves, learning the rules, avoiding prison politics and potential conflict. It's truly a hostile and unstable practice. It sounds like these practices create a lot of unnecessary stress and conflict within the prison system. How do these transfers affect gang dynamics among prisoners? Diesel therapy and diesel treatment also inadvertently spread gang ideologies. It spreads to the hits that they're going to be doing, and it spreads the politics from one prison to another prison. This can put non-gang affiliated prisoners at risk and lead to violence and harm. That's concerning, and it seems like there should be better alternatives to these practices. Are there alternatives to transferring prisoners so frequently? Most prisons have the capacity to house prisoners for their entire sentence. 
in my case, I've been incarcerated almost 20 years, and in that period of time, I've been transferred over 35 times. I've been to every single prison in the state except for maybe the camps, and it has been so psychologically tooling on me that it is hard for me to establish relationships with people or even to maintain any kind of semblance of civility. There are exceptional circumstances like escape attempt or safety concerns that might cause somebody to be shipped to a different prison, but in essence, every prison could house a one prisoner for the entire of their sentence. Revising the custody classification system and keeping prisoners in one facility would be a feasible solution, reducing the harms caused by these transfers. It's crucial to consider alternatives that prioritize the well-being of incarcerated individuals. Now let's discuss another important aspect, the environmental aspect. How do diesel engines used in these transfers contribute to climate change? The diesel engines used in these transfers emit harmful greenhouse gases that are contributing significantly to climate change. Unfortunately, this aspect of the issue often goes unnoticed. We should be more aware of the environmental consequences of these practices and push for change. That's a significant point, and it's essential for everyone to be more conscious of the environmental aspect of such action. Thank you, Daniel, for shedding light on this crucial issue. We're going to take a short break. We'll have more on diesel therapy and diesel treatment when we return. Hello world, my name is Eric Knappick, DOC number 395314, and I am a prisoner. I've experienced firsthand how incredibly horrible it is in prison. There is no meaningful education or treatment. They torture us with solitary confinement. Prison for nonviolent, non-emergent, and petty pretexts. What we in the state system call diesel treatment. It is very mentally traumatizing. Our families and friends' funds are extracted by phone, media, and personal property monopolistic companies that prey on us as captive consumers. Of course, the most tragic atrocity is how they are stealing our labor through slavery due to the morally corrupt 13th Amendment enacted to create a new slave class after abolishing private slave ownership. Now, every state exploits prisoners' labor through slavery. It is sickening. All this is why we need you to become a certified prison reform activist. You don't have to be an ex-prisoner, felon, or have any experience in the criminal justice system. All that matters is you love the American people. In the special offer section, you can receive a free digital copy of Defund DOC, Turn All Prisons into Treatment and Career Centers, a free certificate as a prison reform activist, free online support, free network opportunities, free activism event opportunities, and free eligibility for prizes, trophies, and a grand prize of $1 million within Global Accreditation, MGLLC, rules and regulations. We desperately need an army of certified prison reform activists to end this evil and corrupt system. You will be the new underground railroad. This is the civil and human rights fight of this generation. Join today. Thank you. Hey, everybody. My name is... Adrian, and I am very excited to recommend Daniel J. Sims' three amazing books. In his book, Hopeless in Seattle, A Foster Kids Manifesto, he reveals some heartbreaking stuff. For instance, he tells us how he was abandoned by his parents, abused in foster care, turned to running away and living on the street, sleeping in the newspapers, bins, and even stolen cars and ultimately was institutionalized. Sharing deeply painful events like when he was stabbed, 
It is a compelling read. In his book, The Art of Living, Everything You Need to Achieve, Success of Life and Business, I Learned in Prison, breaks down fundamental maxims he's distilled from over 20 years in prison. It is a profound book. And, of course, his book, Defund DOC, Turning All Prisons into Treatment and Career Centers, is a remarkably concise and comprehensive book detailing the failure of mass incarceration and providing the solutions to massively reform it and reduce recidivism significantly. Every prison reform-minded person needs this book. Each book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble's, or other booksellers, but special to defunddoc.net. You can get all three digital books for this price of one. Check out the special offer today. You will be happy you did. He's a really good person and amazing author. Plus, you will be helping the social justice mission. Get them now. Thank you. Hey, everybody. My name is Adrian, and I am very excited to recommend Daniel J. Sims. Three amazing books. In his book, Hopeless in Seattle, A Foster Kids Manifesto, he reveals some heartbreaking stuff. For instance, he tells us how he was abandoned by his parents, abused in foster care, turned to running away and living on the street, sleeping in the newspapers, bins, and even stolen cars, and ultimately was institutionalized, sharing deeply painful events like when he was stabbed. It is a compelling read. In his book, The Art of Living, Everything You Need to Achieve, Success of Life and Business, I Learned in Prison, breaks down fundamental maxims he's distilled from over 20 years in prison. It is a profound book. And, of course, his book, Defund DOC, Turning All Prisons into Treatment and Career Centers, is a remarkably concise and comprehensive book detailing the failure of mass incarceration and providing the solutions to massively reform it and reduce recidivism significantly. Every prison reform-minded person needs this book. Each book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble's, or other booksellers, but special to defunddoc.net. You can get all three digital books for this price of one. Check out the special offer today. You will be happy you did. He's a really good person and amazing author. Plus, you will be helping the social justice mission. Get them now. Thank you. Welcome back. Defunddoc.net is working tirelessly to raise awareness about the issues we've discussed today. We offer valuable insights and resources for those interested in social justice reform. By supporting Defund DOC, you're contributing to a future where all prisons are transformed into treatment and career centers. One of the things that I would like to touch on now is the fact that the reality show that we are going to be starting the process of collaborating and starting is the Love and Prison Activism reality show. And for those of you that don't know, we are going to be doing auditions for people to in every city and state to potentially be on this show. We are going to start the crowdfunding for the show on July 4th, which is going to be uh, significant in regards to the fact that our forefathers fought for the freedom of our people on July 4th and obtained independence. So therefore, that is going to be the day that we're seeking to find independence and freedom for the American people here in this day and age, which translates to freedom from prison slavery, freedom from warehousing for long prison sentences that do not help recidivism, and freedom to have treatment and careers rather than keeping us stupid and uneducated and untreated like they did with the slaves back in the 1800s. So yeah, that's what we're going to be doing in regards to the reality show. 
everybody is invited to participate. We really need every single person that is available to be a part of this. There's literally room for every single person in the whole country if they wanted to. We can have unlimited amounts of people at these protests that will be featured in the reality show. We have a limited amount of people that will become the actual stars of the reality show, but regardless, we will eventually have room for everybody. Furthermore, for our listeners, Defund DLC has a special offer. When you subscribe to our podcast, you'll receive a free digital copy of one of my books, Defund DLC, Turning All Prisons into Treatment and Career Centers, or The Art of Living, Everything You Need to Know to Achieve Success in Life and Business, I Learned in Prison. And if you want to go even further in supporting our mission, DefundDOC.net offers a limited time three-book supporter bundle, which includes Hopeless in Seattle, A Foster Kids Manifesto, The Art of Living, and Defund DOC, all for the price of one book on major retailers. Absolutely, Linda. And also, I'm excited to share that we have custom-branded merchandise available on Etsy and our website, defunddlc.net, so you can get sweatshirts, T-shirts, mugs, and more, all while contributing to this important social justice mission. Supporting defunddoc.net ensures that your name will be associated with positive change and progress, just like those who fought to end slavery. So please consider subscribing to our podcast and checking out defundoc.net to learn more. Thank you to those that participate in our endeavor, whether you are just becoming a subscriber, whether you're going to help participate in the reality show crowdfunding, or whether you're buying some merchandise and gear on our website. That sponsorship is an amazing commitment to making a difference. So thank you. Now let's go back to our discussion about diesel therapy and diesel treatment. Daniel, you mentioned specific cases of individuals who have suffered due to these practices. Can you share some examples to illustrate their impact? Absolutely, Linda. That's the thing. This practice affects so many people. It's virtually used in every state and and federal prison system. It is so disruptive and disorientating to our people. It is messing their minds up in regards to having to reestablish themselves every prison they go to, learning new rules, you know, setting up areas of comfort. It's just, it's just really harmful. Let me illustrate with the case of Henry Ford. He alleged that diesel therapy prevented him from adequately preparing for his criminal trial. So in essence, he was fighting for his life in a criminal trial, but he was already incarcerated in the federal system. What they did was they subjected him to multiple transfers over a 17-month period, ultimately leading to a loss in his trial. That's a clear example of how these practices practices can interfere with legal process. Do you have more cases to share? Yes. There's another case that really stands out to me. It's the case of Jeremy Pinson. He experienced severe restraint during diesel therapy and was deprived of basic necessities like food, water, and access to his own legal materials. Despite this overwhelming evidence of abuse of power, The court didn't take any action to help him. It's distressing to hear how these practices can lead to such extreme conditions for prisoners. Are there any other cases that stand out? Absolutely, Linda. There's another case that stands out to me for its profound abuse of power and negligence. The case is the case of David L. Simpson. He faced repeated transfers, assault by guards, and medical negligence during his numerous moves. Despite all the trauma and overwhelming evidence of the abuse of power, the court again 
ruled against him, highlighting the challenges that prisoners face when seeking justice. The carceral deference is which the judges always rule in the favor of the cops or the law enforcement or the correctional officers is pervasive in our court system in this country. And that's another abuse of power that we have to address. Prejudice and bias does not have a place in an equal and fair justice system. And in the United States, bias and prejudice is pervasive and prolific, and we have to address it. These cases clearly demonstrate the need for reform in the prison system. We hope that shedding light on these issues will bring about change. Indeed, Linda. It's vital to raise awareness and work towards a more just and humane prison system. We've covered a lot of ground today. I want to thank you, Daniel, for sharing your insight and knowledge on this important topic. Yeah, thank you, Linda. I also want to take this moment to thank you on the air. You've been helping me with editing the book, The Former Slave. It's currently being edited up to what chapter are we on right now, Linda? Chapter 4. Uh, amazing, yes. We're on Chapter 4, which amounts to, I think, about 40 pages in or maybe more than that. I don't know how many pages in that is. But yeah, we're trekking along on a new book called The Former Slave, which is essentially a book about a guy that did 20 years of imprisonment. He got out of prison, him and his soulmate, a Muslim man uh, that actually rescued him from being stabbed. And yeah, him and him became really good friends while they were incarcerated. And when they got out, they started a media company and started promoting prison reform and, and abolishing prison slavery and speaking to the American people about the real injustices and inequities that is happening across the country. And needless to say, the American people responded quite favorably. And the show became really popular. And they essentially took that success and ran for president. And then they were elected to the presidency. And when they were in the first couple of weeks of the uh, presidency, they went to abolish prison slavery across the entire country and to ban the uses of guns. And needless to say, the country split down partisan lines and a civil war kicked off. That war has unfolded quite murderously. It's going to be a three-part book, so that is just the first book, how it kicks off the civil war. The second book is going to be kicking off the Third World War. And then the fourth book is going to be the culmination of the Civil War and the World War into a lasting peace. So, yeah, that's uh, where we're at right now. And I'm excited to be a part of that process of writing it and trying to get the message across about the social injustice facing our people in regards to prison slavery. It's just crucial to discuss these issues. And I hope that our listeners will join us in advocating for change. That's all for today episode. Thank you for listening and we'll be back with more discussions on pressing issues in the future. And remember, stay informed, stay engaged. Until next time.